American football in Finland. The voice in your ears is perfect purpose, and this is American football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by co-hosts Coach Q and Chris Green. What's going on, fellas? What's going on? Hey, y'all. How's it going? The AFF podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcast. We're currently available on more than 25 different platforms. This show is also available on our YouTube channel, just without the video. It's just like a screen of our logo, but you can still listen to it on YouTube if you want to. So wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. And I have checked our Spotify account. We have some haters because our Spotify rating is like a 4.8. I mean, somebody did not give us five stars. Hater, wherever you are, hit me up. Let me know why you're being a hater. I want to know why. All right, it's first down where we get a chance to start fresh and talk about what's on our mind. Q, kick it off. What you want to talk about today, man? Hey, the European League of Football has started. Oh, yeah. That was that was it's been a great weekend, man. I got to watch football when I wasn't at work. I got to watch football highlights, parts of the game. It was just good to see some good football, man. So I, I was happy about that. What about you, Chris? What, what's what's going on with you, man? Well, just just off of a, a week off of work. It was a school holidays for me, so I was first day back to work today. So a bit hectic. The kids are running riot around school, trying to get them in shape. I went to a theme park last week on Thursday. I went to Alton Towers, it's called in the UK, and we had queue jump. So we were able to cut the lines in front of everyone and seeing all the people as you walk past them is good fun. <laughs> That's super crazy because you're talking about you going back to school. Here in Finland, they just let out of school last weekend. Like that was yeah, graduation we- and stuff. Seven weeks left the school still here in the UK. We've got seven-week term now. Crazy. Craziness, but everybody in Finland, it's time for them vacations. Oh, yeah, because midsummer is in like two weeks. Everybody, you know, school just let out. Um, what's going on with me? Only thing I got really that I'm thinking about now is during midsummer, we're actually going to have the AFF seven on seven tournament and stuff. We've got all our position locked up for that. We're going to have we're going to have about 40 kids come out to Lati, you know, to my hood and do some seven-on-seven, but we're also going to have them do some individual drill work, some one-on-ones, because there's going to be some high school coaches from USA there to recruit. So we made the seven-on-seven a full-day event. So June 22nd in Lati, we're going to have ages from 14 to 18, 19 years old, so high school-age kids just putting in work and doing something over midsummer break. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be a fun time. So that's what's going on with me. That's first down. Let's get into it. Let's get into players of the week, which have been announced on social media probably yesterday because this is on Wednesday. But let's talk about why we chose these people. First, let's go with the offensive player. Anybody who watched any of the games knows who the offensive player is of the week is and it's the running back from the Quopio Steelers Lee Anthony Reasonover who had 275 yards rushing he's back he's back 
<laughs> this is the interesting part to me. Okay, he, he ran for a buttload, had five touchdowns, but he also had 29 rushes. Normally, when someone gets the ball like up to almost 30 times in a game, you're looking at, you know, three, four, maybe five yards a carry. His average was nine yards. <laughs> Imagine 30 carries, nine yards a pop. Like, that's crazy. And that's what that's, he did. That's pop. <laughs> yeah, Q, what, what about him on, on the film? What stood out to you about how uh, Lee Anthony played in this one? Man, he, he's a load, man. Just his, his body structure, his strength, the stamina, even to, to get the ball 29 times was is amazing for any running back, but definitely to get that type of production that he gives them, it's definitely a good feeling as a coach if you know you can just hand the ball off to your running back and he's at some point going to break and you know for 40, 50, 60 yards on the regular. It hasn't been anybody to seem to be able to stop him yet. I think he's just now getting started. It's going to be a long season for all the all the defenses that has to play against that offense because he's just he's a load himself. Sometimes you want to kind of load the box on Scorpio if you can. I, I don't understand why they didn't. Um, they kind of play like a, a different type of def- defense than I would have played against them, uh, but it didn't work. So anytime a running back is getting the ball twenty nine times and he almost has three hundred yards. Uh, your defense just isn't isn't enough. So he was a baller. He balled this weekend. I mean, he was just patient with his runs, followed his blocks. He was patient with his offensive linemen. He had pulling guards on lots of plays where he just followed his linemen, made things happen in open space. One cut, two cut, reverse field on some block on some runs. It was just absolutely crazy. I mean, he as I said, he's back. Like that is the Anthony Reasonover that we know. He's back. I know he his numbers are crazy and it looks bad, but I didn't think the Crocodile's defense was, like, horrible. But if a grown man can run to one side of the field and then run all the way to the other side of the field and then run down the field and score a touchdown, there's some issues. Like, they're, like I'm, I'm sorry, as, as a person who's played football before, I've never seen anybody be that much faster than me. They can go to one side, then go to the other side, and then run down the field another 20, 30 yards. I've yet mm-hmm. to meet a person, and no disrespect to Lee Anthony Reason over, but he will fall in the same category. I've yet to meet a person that I couldn't, from one side of the field, take an angle and meet him at the end zone or <laughs> right before he gets to the end zone or something. So mm-hmm. the fact that no one on this team could do that says a little bit about, ooh. Crocodile's got some issues back there, speed-wise. <laughs> but Lee Anthony was a beast. and I mean, that's one of those, like, Alpha Jallo-type situations when you can be that fast that you can change direction. It's not something that happens at high levels of football, though. So when someone like him does that, it just separates him a little bit more from everybody else. Let's get to the defensive player who will come from the Portville Butchers, who had themselves a day on Thursday. I want to say – Atro Hyanonen? Hyanonen? I'm sorry, man. Number 99, that's what he was. I know number 99 was the one making the plays. Defense alignment. He was, I want to say he was a right defensive end in most of the game. Had four and a half tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble. Three mm-hmm. sacks on four and a half tackles. He was, he was in the backfield more than any running back was for that team, for the UNC. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Q, what, what did you see from uh, Big 99 in this game? Man, I like to see these these D linemen, these guys being active in the backfield and, and stopping a lot of 
uh, could be, you know, run big run plays. Three sacks is major. It means he got a lot of pressure. Um, they really couldn't deal with him that much. Four and a half tackles for losses. You can't go. You can't go wrong with that. That's a great day from a defensive lineman. The butchers are two and one. You know who would have who would have thought that, man? You know, so they're getting the job done, man. I mean, you need that type of play from your defense guys to help you out on offense. So, uh, kudos to Ajo. Yeah, they definitely needed help on that defensive side of the ball. We know they're lacking defensive back, so they had to win the battle up front, and he just did that. He just won the battle up front, beat his opposite number, got to the QB, did exactly what he's supposed to supposed to do at that defensive lineman position, made the QB pay when he got, got to him. So it was a great job by him just getting that pass rush off. And kudos to the, the butchers. I mean, hey, I know you call them the Dallas Cowboys. But I was, I was just about to cut you off, Chris. I was about to cut you off and be like, no, no, no. We're talking about Atro. We ain't talking about the butchers because I still have some things to tell you about the butchers, guys. I don't want to ruin the segment. Atro, Hyanenen. I feel like that's not the way you say it. Hi. I feel like we're butchering the butcher's name. Hyanenen. I think Hyanenen is how you say it. Hyanenen. But sorry about that. Big 99, that's what I'm going to call him. Big 99 was a beast, a monster, and he controlled it. He can control that edge in this game. And kudos to him for being our defensive player of the week. Let's get some key team stats and player stats from this weekend games from Chris Green as he does inside the numbers. Chris, hit us up, man. Hey, guys. So we're changing up how we do inside the numbers from now on. I'm still going to do my top fives, but they're going to be on Instagram from now on. So we're going to look at some top offensive and defensive performances from teams around the league. So my top three offensive performances this week. Number one was Lee Anthony Reasonover. He had 29 carries for 270 yards and five TDs on the ground. He's back. That's all I can say about him. Number two was Shea Netter, quarterback for the UNC Crusaders. He was 16 of 29 for 312 yards and three TDs through the air. Boy, had a day. Number three, we've got Cedric Johnson, also of the UNC Crusaders. He had eight catches for 171 yards with one TD on the day. My top defensive performance, we had Heinen from the Butchers. He had four solo tackles, one assist, three TFLs, three sacks, and one forced fumble. We've got another defensive lineman from the Butchers. I'm going to butcher his name now. Vuksentorja, he had four solos, four assists, 2.5 TFLs, and one sack. And then we had Campbell of the Steelers. He had six solos, six assists, 1.5 TFLs. Best team performances, so we're looking at teams overall now. On offense, we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. Passing yards, we had the United Newland Crusaders. They had 312 yards passing. Big day for that offense. Rushing yards, of course, you've already guessed it. It was the Coopio Steelers with 299 yards on the ground. Back to Steeler football. Total yards was also the Coopio Steelers. They had 353 total yards on the day. And then third down conversion, we've got the Steelers in 8 of 10 on third down conversions. Great day for the Steelers offense. Defensively, looking at passing yards, the Crocodiles defense only allowed 66 passing yards from the Steelers, which is a great feat. Rushing yards, the Butchers, minus 16 yards for UNC. Crazy. Absolute crazy. 
So that Butcher's defensive line, we've talked about them, but they were eating. They were definitely eating. Minus 16 yards for UNC. Total yards, 275 yards. The Steelers restrict the Crocs, which is still big numbers. I mean, 275 yards of offense is decent, but that was the least amount of restriction on the, on the week. And then third down conversion rate, the Steelers restricted the Crocodiles no off their six attempts. And that's going to be it for Inside the Numbers this week. Join us again next time. Are you looking for quality football apparel and accessories at an affordable price? Rare Athletics is made for players by players. Head over to rare.se and get your drip today. That's R-E-Y-R-R dot S-E. And use code AFF20 to receive 20% off all Rare brand products. Okay, now that we've talked about the numbers, let's get into outside the numbers. Let's talk about some players who maybe didn't, you know, light up the highlight sheet this weekend, but still put on good performances. Uh, Chris, who did you think really stood out this weekend? So I've got the left guard for the Quapio Steelers, Jay Rouse. Okay. He was a forefront in leading some of Reese Nobre's blocks. He was the pulling guard on a lot of those plays, and he was out in front being a force, making some key blocks downfield to spring Reese Nobre. So I've picked him as my outside the numbers this week. I could agree with that. That's a good pick. What about you, Q? Anybody stand out to you? Uh, I'm going to say Cedric Johnson. Oh, Cedric okay. Johnson, one of the OG veterans. You know, him having over 100 yards, catching eight receptions. That's a great combination. I think any quarterback can have a great combination when said on the field. Uh, it gives a lot, that deep threat to UNC, UNC's offense, which is much needed. Uh, they look a lot better in this game than they did the previous game. So uh, said, I think, is a big part of that, having somebody like that on your team that's a veteran, that's, that's a big play guy. Um, I think it'll, it'll definitely help UNC's confidence. So said, you know, shout out to said, though, for, for doing his thing, too. A good game. I think the person I'm going to put out there is the, another guy from UNC, the receiver, number 37, Aaron David. I When I watched this game, I watched it without listening to the audio or anything, and I watched it a couple days after the game. So I had no idea who this kid was out there. You know, I'm looking for number 12, Matthias Castano. That's my guy. But this number 37, he, he brings something to this team that they needed, and that's that another option. Like we talked about, Sez. Sez is a big play guy. But for a lot of the intermediate type stuff and the difference between him and Matthias is, you know, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit more football size. So he can do some things that a smaller receiver can't do. He was very effective for them. As Chris said in the stats, you know, they put up 300 yards offense. The yards had to go to somebody and you sprinkle them from said to this Aaron David kid and then a little bit of Matthias. And there you go. They, they move it. So, with him on this team now, I don't know much about him. I really don't. I think he's Spanish. I don't. I think he played in Spain. I'm, I don't know much about him, but I do know that from what I saw, this could be a good thing for this offense. Him sliding into that position. He also played defense for him. I'm not gonna say he was great at that, but with the Corpening brothers and some help, you'd be okay. He definitely looked really good. Number thirty-seven. I. I, I'm just calling him 37, but he looked good. I don't know his stats. I don't know him at all, but I do know that he looked really good out there helping that offense progress from being a little bit stagnant to being a more potent type of offense this week. So those can are I be, out. Can I be cheeky and go ahead and be one cheeky. more? 
I'm going to say Tino and Bongo. It was nice to see him back in the number 88 jersey. And be oh, on wow, offense. yeah. He was only on offense for one play in that Wildcat package, but he scored. I would definitely like to see him on offense a little bit more. And I think when they get to like the business end of the season, I think you'll see him in that offensive package. He's going to have to be. He's going to have to be. Let's let's bring let's bring him up when we talk about the the game as well because I have something to say about that also. But I'll let it ride. <laughs> okay, so there's plenty. There is plenty of football going on in the world right now, and I want to talk to you guys about some of the story top stories outside of the Maple League. But before I get into different leagues and different countries, I want to talk about the women's Maple League. The Women's League is on a break this weekend, so there weren't any games. But I want to update you about some of the the top stat leaders and then talk to you about the teams individually. So I want to go over the stat leaders. Rushing stat leaders. Running back from the Helsinki Wolverines, Marta Yaskula. In just three games, she has 528 yards rushing, averaging 176 rushing yards a game. And then behind her, you have Essie Soderholm, also from the Helsinki Wolverines, who leads the league with six touchdowns rushing. And then if we go into the passing game, quarterback Amelia Ratu from the Tampa the Saints leads all categories with 839 pass yards, averaging 280 pass yards a game, and leads the league with nine total passing touchdowns. On the receiving end, we have her teammate, Lata Ahonen, who has 338 receiving yards on the season, averaging 112 yards a game, leads the league with 19 receptions, and has five total touchdowns, leading the league in all receiving categories. Those are your offensive leaders. As you can see, you have running and passing. That, that's how you lead the league. On the defensive side, the leader in tackles is Essie Sostamoyanen. From the Turku Trojans, she leads the league with 31 tackles. I don't usually, I didn't really want to put any like second or third, but I do think that needs to be said that there's one person who's one tackle behind her, who's the defensive back for the Mikolay Bouncers, Ani Payunin, who actually has 30 tackles while Essie has 31. So it's a, it's pretty close considering one's a linebacker who's supposed to make a lot of tackles compared to the defensive back, who's a safety, who just happens to be coming downhill and making a lot of tackles for her team. When we go into tackles for loss, we go to the defensive line for the West Coast Phoenix, Vera Mietunen. She leads the league with five and a, five and a half tackles for loss. And then when we go to you know defensive backs, we're going back to the Mikolay Bouncers, defensive back Ani Payunen, who has seven total passes defended. She has six PBUs and one interception. So those are your stat leaders in the Women's Maple League. These women are doing great. In just three games, you really can tell who are the better players already. But I do think there's some of the matchups that help some people have inflated stats. But I won't go too much into that. But going into, like, team stats, the team with the highest rush yards on the season so far is Helsinki Wolverines, who have – 1,137 rush yards, have 13 total rushing touchdowns. They're averaging 379 rush yards a game. That is a ton of rush yards. 
and they have a, I mean, their two runners, Mari and Essie, are leading in all categories as well. On the passing side, we go to the Tampa the Saints, who lead the league with 839 yards passing, nine total touchdowns, and they're passing for 279 yards a game. Now, total offense, these two teams are, you know, the top two teams. Helsinki Wolverines are the top team in the league, 1,286 passing yards, 17 total touchdowns. They're averaging 428 yards a game. While the Saints, who have 1,134 total yards and 13 total touchdowns, have 378 yards a game. So that's about a 50-yard difference, right? Yeah, about 50-yard difference, one team rushing, one team passing. So these two teams are very close. But here's a couple more categories of stats that I want to talk about because I've been watching these games, and these are the categories that make the difference. First category is turnover margin. The Wolverines lead the league at turnover margin, and I'm pretty sure it's plus seven. Third down conversion, Saints lead the league with 37.5%, but also want to talk about the worst team, which is West Coast Phoenix, who have 8.3% conversion on third downs. And as you can see, those two teams have two different records. And third down changes how teams play games. The last stat I want to talk about is penalties. Penalties are not a great thing to have. And the McLean Bouncers have 29 penalties for 225 yards in only three games. That's almost 10 penalties a game. They're losing 75 yards of field possession each game they play. Imagine if they cleaned that up, what their record would look like compared to what it is now. So that's my stats. Now let me get into it. I've been watching these past three weeks of the Women's Maple League, and I – I've always been a fan of the Women's Maple League, but never really put in the effort. And luckily now the AFF has a good enough, you know, supporting cast on this show that, you know, I can do a little bit more. I can do a little bit more than just watching the Maple League. So I put my heart into watching these games and trying to figure out what's going on in the field with these ladies, these teams, and how these organizations are run. So I'm going to give you a rundown on each team from last to first place in these first three games. If you like my rundown, let me know. If you don't like my rundown, let me know. You can find me at Perfect Purpose. Okay, first team we got, last place team, Loyal Lionesses 0-3. This team doesn't have the players to compete against their competition so far. The offense shows flashes of potential, usually surrounding Ada Salmanen making plays with her feet. But on defense, this team offers zero resistance to opposing teams, and the other teams usually look faster, stronger, and more football experience. Giving up more than 40 points a game is just not good football. Hopefully they can turn things around and improve their either their offense or defense. I mean, preferably both. But right now, it just looks like they're the worst team in the league. So moving to the fifth place team, West Coast Phoenix, also 0-3. The Phoenix record is very deceiving. This is a good team. In my opinion, this is a good team. Besides the first game of the season, they put up winning second halves in the last two weeks. If this team could start how they finish, they could easily be one and two or even two and one right now. I won't be too hard on them, but I do blame the offense for their slow starts. It seems like it takes a while for a quarterback, Ronja Sulin, to get comfortable finding her receivers, as well as them rotating running backs all game 
instead of just feeding number 13, Sarah Partula, Partula, I know she's a, I think she's actually the starting linebacker. So she's probably not the starting running back, but she could be a really dynamic running back in this league if she was featured on their offense. But when the offense does get going, boy, oh boy, all the receivers, Tia Jensen, Veronica Hano, Nora Rylanma, I think is how you say her name. <laughs> They're all capable of making game-changing plays. I really enjoy this trio of receivers they have. There's a fourth receiver who's pretty good as well, but these three really hold their own. And it's really hard to just key on one, so it makes it a lot of one-on-one situations. You can't really double-team any of these receivers or you'll end up getting burned by one of the other ones. But I would say out of this group, Veronica Hano is the best of the group. That's for sure. On the defensive side of the ball, the Phoenix do a really good job of making their opponents work for yards. Their secondary is a little weak in one-on-one coverage, but that's not a huge issue since most of the time their front seven gets the job done. Number 50 on the D-line, Satu uh, Vasankati. I think that's how you say her last name. She's on the D-line holding it down, and you got linebacker Aino Yoro. Pretty much these two make all their plays, sprinkled in with help from everybody else on defense, obviously. In four quarters, they'll give up some points, but watching them in second halves, you get that feeling that this defense can hold its own if the game was, like, on the line. And you really wish that they were a little bit closer to, you know, winning at the end of some of these games because if they weren't so far behind, you know that they would win the game. But they just their defense going to do so much by being behind from the beginning. I like the way this team is built, but if they don't fix, fix the slow starts, they really don't have a chance of getting into the playoffs this year because that's one of the things that's really holding them back is losing all three of these games when they should have won at least one or two of them to be in a better spot for a playoff push. They might end up this season doing what they do in these games and having a late push and it just not be enough. But moving to the fourth place team, Mikalay Bouncers, who are two and one. Got to be honest, me and the Bouncers, we're going to have a love-hate relationship this season. I love what they can do, but I also hate what they do. I know it don't make any sense when I say it, so I'll try to explain it. In my opinion, the Bouncers could easily have the best defense in the league. And when I say that, I need the Wolverines to calm down because y'all have the best defense. But they could have the best defense in the league. But what they don't have is the offense on the same level. I like that they've tried to open up the offense some and incorporate more than just handing it off to Amelia Kempe, like I saw last season. And I love that they get targets to Mila Korhanen as much as possible. Little number 23 out there catching everything, soft hands, quickness, agility. I love it. But that's all they have. That's pretty much it. And no disrespect to the other players on offense, but – they don't have any other options to move the ball down the field. And I'm not ignoring that every once in a while somebody makes a play, but when this team gets in a tight spot and needs a play, Kempe is probably the only reliable option, and that makes them somewhat predictable and limited in terms of controlling the game from the offensive side of the ball. Now, defense, I have nothing but confidence in this team. Their defensive front is good. Um, it's not great but it's good enough to get the job done against both the run and pass. What stands out really is their secondary, specifically number 14, 
Ani Payanen, who plays safety, like a young Ed Reed. And if you're too young to understand the reference, that's okay. But basically, this is a young player who's like a ball hawk. She gets to the ball, whether it's a run or a pass play. As I said earlier, she's second in the league in tackles, and she leads the league and passes defended, which means if the ball is anywhere, she's there. And that's what she does really well. She even probably could play some offense for this team. She had that pick six for 70 yards, which means she has the speed. She had to outrun a whole team to do that. Also, Sarah, I can't say these names. I'm so sorry. The girls' names are much harder than the boys' names, and I'm new to most of the names. So it's a little bit more difficult. But Sada Asakainen and Vivi Pasanen both look good at the cornerback positions. That's number 18 and number 93. I keep saying your your numbers because when I'm watching, I just I see numbers. I don't really see names. I just see numbers right now. So the bouncers, their defense, it looks solid all around. But if they're on the field too long due to an offense that can stall, they will eventually give up points like anyone else. And that was evident when they played against the Wolverines, when their offense really just gave them no relief. But the bouncers are a dangerous team. They can see themselves in the Mabel Bowl if they get the right matchup in the playoffs. And that's how I feel about them. I feel like I like them, but I don't like them. I love them, but I hate them. I don't know. Moving to the third team, Tampa the Saints, who are 2-1. and one. I know there's no truth to it, but the Saints remind me of a mix of both the West Coast Phoenix and the bouncers. And what I mean by that is that on offense, they do a great job in the pass game, pretty much a, a better version of what the Phoenix offense is. But then on defense, their second and third level defense is really good. I'm not going to say it's as good as the bouncer secondary, but their D-line makes up for it with better pressure and tackling. So to get off the comparisons, this offense is the most modern football style in the league. It's a legit spread offense. They move the ball around to multiple receivers and use tight ends. Not to mention they have a dual threat quarterback in Emilio Ratu that has a cannon on his shoulder. Then you have Lata Ahonen who gets most of their targets and is well-deserved because she's probably the best receiver in the league right now. Receiver number 10, Suvi Mikkonen, tight end number 87, Ane Rasalati, and then the other tight end number 82, Nora Saros. They all contribute as well, and they can all make plays when needed. Similar to what I said about West Coast Phoenix earlier is that you can't really zero in on any of these receivers because they will make you pay for it with someone else by having someone else get the ball. So it makes their offense very difficult to stop. It definitely makes it one of the hardest to stop scheme-wise, and I've yet to see anybody really stop it from a scheme point of view. It also means that when they're not in sync, like when this offense isn't in sync because they're so pass-heavy, they can be stopped quickly, they can get in bad spots, uh, coupled with the fact that they're really progressive on special teams. They don't really punt, they don't really kick. So if their offense isn't working, they can lose field position very quickly. And you'll see that's how they almost gave up this last game against West Coast Phoenix is just at some point your offense has to be more consistent. But when they are consistent, they put up points really easily. That's why they're still the number two offense in the league and they lead the entire league in passing. And they actually do a really good job of it being at a 50% completion percentage. And when everything does click, this team probably could be in the Maple Bowl at the end of the season.
I won't talk too much about their defense because nothing really stands out to me about it. Not like in a bad way, but overall, it's just a good defense, good defense at all three levels. Number 90, Nelly Carr, who stands out on the D-line. Number three, Yana Hakala makes plays from the nickel slash outside linebacker position. At number 27, Matilda Mayuri looks really good at the safety spot. Outside of those, most of their defense looks good and makes plays that should be made. Again, it's not a knock against them or anything, but if they give up 20 points, I'm not too concerned because their offense can score 40 on any given day. It's those times that their offense doesn't move the ball that really worries me because then the Saints are in trouble having to play too much defense. But if they can keep their offense as the driving force of their team, the Saints are a title contender for sure. Moving to the number two team, the Turku Trojans at two and one. I think I picked this team to win the league in my predictions. I'm not so sure about that anymore, but I don't see any better two and one team so far. It's tough to talk about this team because offensively they've been up and down all season. I just can't decide if they want to be the best team or not. It feels like they needed all three games to figure out how they want to play and still don't really know. Luckily for them, they're one of those like most talented teams in the league. So they have room to make errors, which they've made. They're that talented that they have the luxury to develop throughout the season without losing too much. Even in the game they lost, it wasn't that bad. Just things didn't go their way. On offense, this is a running team that wants to pass the ball. And I don't think they know that. This team thinks that they're a balanced team of some sort, but they're really not. Now, when quarterback Yana Hakarinen hooks up with receivers, it's big plays. Like, they do really well when they do. But unlike the Saints, who I mentioned earlier, their completion percentage is dismal. So what happens is they have a lot of incompletions in between trying to make themselves a passing team, which makes them inconsistent. So sometimes it just looks like they're forcing plays instead of taking what the defense gives them. Instead of running against a team they know they can run against, they try to sprinkle in the pass just to sprinkle it in. And then when it doesn't work, they get themselves in a hole, and then they can't run because they have to pass. And that's not really how you want that to work, but that's how they do it. And they're fortunate that every once in a while, those passes go for a large game, so it makes up for it. But their completions, when you're going like six for 21, that's not really good, even though three of those were touchdowns. That's not really how you want to have a consistent offense. That's how they're able to win right now because they're just better. They're better talented than most of their opponents. And when I talk about their run game, I think it's best when Leah Kazis is in there. But also, I think I think Yona can move as well. I think they don't use her that much in the run game as a quarterback. I think they should. But again, I'm not the coach. And they're 2-1 and one without listening to me anyway, so keep doing what they're doing. But on defense... I do have to say something about their defense. This is the best run defense in the league. And I say that because Essie Sastamoinen is everything they need. She is everything anybody needs from a defense. The rest of the defense is probably good because they keep their opponents under 21 points. But all I see is number nine. Wherever the play is, number nine is making the play. And that's all you need. Because as long as number nine make the play, other team not scoring, they're not doing nothing, they're not going nowhere, and you're fine. That's what makes this defense so good, number nine. All right, so I'm on to the last team, the first place team, the I call them the home team, 
the Helsinki Wolverines, who are undefeated. I do not have enough time to talk about how good the Wolverines are right now. Offensively, Essie Soderholm and Marty Oscola are the top two players in the league. If you think that's not a fact, that's fine, but you are 100% wrong. It's also been brought to my attention that the Wolverines O-line should get some credit for their success. And I agree. They've done a really good job opening up running lanes against the defense they face so far. This offensive line, especially one player that really stood out to me was the left guard, I think. Is he the left or right guard, number 72? Just I've seen her in some situations where she purely just outstrips her opponents. So this offensive line really gets a good push. And you'll see that the runner, the running backs don't usually get, they don't do a lot of backfield moving. They hit the hole that is there and then make people miss. And that's the offense creating that hole in the first place. Now the Wolverines defense is good, not great. I'm not talking stats. I'm just talking about the eye test. They've had three different games. All three of their games have been totally different in how they've played it on the defensive standpoint. The D-line makes a case for one of the best in the league, in my opinion. Mina Lettinen, she's a monster up front. Big number 73. Whoever she's going against, she owning them. She creates opportunities for her teammates on the second and third levels, and it just really opens up the entire defense that she can control her side of the ball. And that brings me to the second and third levels. I got to be honest. I only see number 22, Yannicka Nikonda. She plays, I want to say, safety, linebacker, outside linebacker, sometimes middle, middle safety. I don't know. All I know is that sometimes she's close to the ball. Sometimes she's far back. If it's a run play, she makes the tackle. If it's a pass play, she breaks it up. She is the second or third level. And I think that there's probably some holes on this defense in one of those two levels, but I can't see those holes because Yannick is there. And that's what really makes this defense special is having players that can move around and, and create that opportunity that you can't see any weaknesses. And this is why I think this is probably the best defense in the league is there are no holes. It's just impenetrable. They haven't, I, no one has found a way to score consistently on this defense. And I don't think anybody will. I don't think it's even possible, but it's a long season. Maybe somebody will figure it out. But until then, this team looks like the best team in the Women's Maple League. All right, that's my rundown on the Women's Maple League. They will be back this week. All games will be played on Sunday at 2 o'clock. The Michelet Bouncers will host the Turku Trojans. Also at 2 o'clock, the West Coast Phoenix will host the Loyal Lionesses. And then at 6 o'clock, the Tampa the Saints will host the Helsinki Wolverine. Moving on from the Women's Maple League, uh, I don't want to talk about anybody else. I just want to get into the international stuff. Let's talk about ELF. I want to know your guys' opinion on it. I only saw a few highlights. I didn't get to watch it. I had my own situations. But obviously, I've been on the line, and the line has been popping all weekend from the ELF first week, good and bad. So what are your thoughts on it, Q? Oh, man, um, it was some surprises. Some of the new teams that came in, uh, they lived up to expectations. Some teams that came in um, had some sketchy first games. A lot of players that were on other teams last year, you know, moved around and made some differences. But right now, the uh, what stood out to me was the Hamburg. Uh, 
their defense, man. Shout out to Kendra Edison, man. Defense coordinator of Hamburg, man. I'm talking about they flying around like they're uh, uh, the Ravens or something out there, man. It's crazy, like, to watch what their defense did against a good a good team, you know, to watch what their defense did. They, they, they basically just left off – basically started where they left off last season. So, that's what stood out to me. Um, the rain fire, they won a, a surprising first game, too. Right. You know, that that surprised me. Yeah, it went back and forth. Um, the whole game then came down to a field goal. So um, that that was a good, you know, start to the season. But um, seeing, like, you know, the Raiders, Forco play the Vikings, um, they always have, you know, that type of game. You know, they always battle pretty much every year. So I, I can't wait to see one of those teams play somebody else. Other than that, um, it was some 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 losses and win. You know, that first game stuff. So uh, it was just exciting to see a lot of those players uh, still out there balling and, and some of the new guys coming along too. So it was some good football. I'm looking at the the wins and losses. And, I mean, first of all, who's playing defense out there? Like, is anybody? Uh, <laughs> Barcelona Dragons are playing defense. They only give are, up are they – are they or are they playing the Stuttgart, the Stuttgart surge and there's a stick on the surge saying do something? I didn't see the game, but right, I know right. who the surge are. We all know who they are. That's the fucking Kotka Eagles of the ELF. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> do something, guys. But I mean, you what you have three, you have six games besides the one game. The Stutt- the Stuttgart surge and Hamburg putting up forty three to an eighteen, almost everybody's going at least twenty points. They're all close as well. They're all within. They're all within one score. One score. One score. One score. One score. Yeah, only the two blowouts where teams didn't score twenty was it more than one score. That's a hey. That's a damn good first week. Mm. Yeah, and you got new teams as well putting out a showing like the Istanbul Rams. And to be honest, they probably they look, lost that game because yeah. they had a they had a few key drops. They they could have they could have quite easily beat the Cologne. They could have quite easily beat them. <laughs> and obviously, the biggest upset you already talked about was the Ryan Fire. I mean, I don't think anyone apart from the Ryan Fire and their fans thought they were going to win that game. Hey, Nate Nate Robertile balled out as well. He made balled some key out. catches. Yeah. He made balled some key out. grabs in that game. And I think is it is it Timothy Canutool that's gone there now as well. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, caught he, a touchdown too. Yeah, he yeah. balled out as well. Was he with the Leipzig Kings last season? I think he balled out as well. That Leipzig uh, uh, Royal Clock game was good too. That was a pretty good game. Um, they they had some exciting stuff going on in that game too. So I think those two teams definitely will be back at the top. That that could have went either way. I think that was probably one of the best games of the, of the weekend besides that Rainfire game. I'm looking at the teams. I'm like, these are good matchups, too. And, I mean, like you guys said, one touchdown difference, one score difference, that means, ooh, we might we might be in for one this season. Again, It'll be anyone's I, game. I don't have much faith in the surge, but other than that, they're the only team from last year that I think wasn't really about nothing. Like, mm-hmm. the Kings didn't win a lot, but there was, like, glimpses and hopes of it. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about this. Obviously, it's just one week. But initial reaction from week one, do, do you feel like, you know, this is easily going to be the best football we see this season? I think so. I think. And, and if you look at if you look at the attendance as well. So I know there was a couple of photographers in the UK that went to that Ryan Fire Frankfurt Galaxy game. They said there was around 12,000 fans there. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something. Yeah, it was a lot of people at that game. It was a packed. lot. It was right. <laughs> I feel I feel like every time you get two German teams, you're gonna get a lot of people. Mm. Especially like the Galaxy. Like the Galaxy have got a big fan base anyway. But yeah. when you've got the right and you saw people in the in the in the Ryan Fire fans, they had the old school throwback jerseys on from the old NFL. People, people you know, love like, the NFL Europe aspect of this. Like yeah. people are really, really digging at it. But yeah, that's the international stuff. Last thing, I was gonna say something about the G the GFL, but let's just be honest, guys. We're over that now. So <laughs> that's how it is. We just let's be fair weather about it. Nope. I think Swabers Hall is in the C C E F L two beaten teams. That's kind of interesting. But I want to talk about the Italy playoffs. They're going to start up this weekend. It's a crazy thing out there. You have the number four seed and Kona Dolphins. You're going to play the number five seed, Modena Vipers. Winner gets Milano Seaman the week after that. And then on the other side, the Guelphi Fringe are the number three seed, and they're going to play the Bologna Warriors, who are number six seed. Winner gets the Palmer Panthers out of that. The, the Palmer Panthers are playing in that CFL Cup final against Swedish Hall Unicorns as well. Oh, okay. I thought in there, yeah. I don't I don't keep up too much of the CFL stuff. So that's in other news. That's Maple League, women's maple league, and international competitions. I might have to just start sticking it to just those two categories. If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather, or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. If you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash merch. We all know the results of last weekend's game. So let's get into it. Which teams won and who lost? First game, I'm going to let Chris take it. Did the Butchers win this one or did the Crusaders lose this one? I'm going to say that the Crusaders lost this game. And the reason why I'm going to say that is because their offensive line play was terrible. We know the Butchers had a good day on their defensive line, but there was at least three or four snaps that went straight over Shea's head. I mean, you're giving that boy no chance. And he still passed for 112 yards. I saw two snaps go over his head and those two snaps were turnovers. So two out of those three bad snaps – Cost him field position and the game, probably. I mean, you, you're not going to win a game giving the ball away like that. So we talk about turnover battle all the time, and you just, you're not going to win the turnover battle when you're snapping the ball over your QB's head. I mean, it's basics. They were, weren't they up like, they were up 13 0 in this game? There was a few lead changes. They were up, they were up a couple of times and in then, the game, and they, they, they were blew up 20 it. to something, right? Yeah, 21 14, I think, at one point. 20, 2014, because they, they were down 21, 20 at half. Half, yeah. 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 So that's damn shame. Q, you got some thoughts on this game? Crusaders look like they got better, I believe. I, I will look at that. Uh, Shea Netter, you know, he made some things happen on offense to a couple different receivers, but um, the Butchers was supposed to win that game. I, you know, sorry to say that, but the Butchers was supposed to win that game. Um, so it was just another. I guess it was a mediocre game all over. Like watching it, I was kind of like, "Oh my god!" Like, some good plays in there here and there, some some exciting things. But I think the Butchers was supposed to win that game, but the Crusaders could have won. 
they could have won the game. So um, the next time they play each other, it'd be interesting. I needed you to talk right there so I could collect my thoughts. That's what it was. Because <laughs> that, that's how the Dallas Cowboys play. <laughs> that's exactly how the Dallas Cowboys play. Oh, we got a we got a W on the schedule this week. Go in there, get down by two touchdowns to UNC. No disrespect, UNC. Y'all are doing some really good progressive. That's cool. That's nice. But like Q just said, the Butchers were supposed to win this game. They were not supposed to go down 13-0 and then have to come back and win this game. But they did. And then they weren't supposed to get lucky and have those two bad snaps go turn into turnovers that Chris was talking about. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Take those two turnovers back. Butchers goddamn lost this game to a team they shouldn't have lost to. <laughs> and, oh, damn, Dallas Cowboys. I want to say this, too. <laughs> the Butchers are a good team. That's why they're the Dallas Cowboys. You're a good team, but you're playing like you're not, and they will not, I promise you, this team will not beat playoff teams having all their skill players play both ways. Miko Seppinen playing offense, defense. Lucas Erla playing offense, defense. I don't know if, if Nuika played offense this game. Maybe he didn't, but oh well. But then the number 10, uh, Plant, that just that just showed up. He's playing offense and defense. Even your running back is your is your best defensive end. Only person not playing both ways is Brandon Gwinner. That will not last 15 weeks. This is a 15-week season, guys. That's a long time. No, it's not and sustainable. You can see it in this game. On that long touchdown to Cedric, guess who got confused on what was going on? Miko Seven and playing corner or playing safety. Him and the other DB were had some type of misconfusion and said just ran right by him. You know why? Because he's probably thinking about routes on his offense. And he's the punter. And I think he's the holder for the for the kicks. That's there's too much going on for a team that should be able to attract quality backups, quality teammates. For these guys, you can't have Miko Seppin doing everything. He's a hell of a receiver, but doesn't get to do that because he's also got to play DB for this team. And then you got a, a young kid like Lucas Erla. I think he's what, 16, 17? Like his nuts ain't even dropped yet. And he's playing defense and receiver. <laughs> like that's just a lot to put on a young player. And then you're going to get him burnt out from playing both sides and that's what happened you look at the dbs and i say this every year forever I always proceeded by saying you know except for nico royko poor Vu butchers don't ever have good dbs and this is proof of it if your starting receivers have to be your dbs you got a problem and they're not trying to solve the problem they're just like well you know guys keep playing both ways this is what we'll do and we'll get lucky and barely mm-hmm. beat unc while we're on this game as well before but while we're on this game as well, before we forget, Mr. Cedric Johnson hit a milestone in this game, 67th Maple League touchdown, which moves him into third place overall in the touchdown list. So, said my guy, well done for moving up to third position. That's, that's some achievement, man. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, let's keep it positive. You know what I like about, like, Sid and uh, Shay Netter? They be out there playing backyard football. First of all, Shea running for his life every play. It is what it is. Like he gets the ball and he just starts running because he knows he has no time. Every time I've seen him catch the ball and stay in the pocket, he got sacked. Like he immediately catches the ball and has to run. 
That's why all those high snaps turned into turnovers because the defenders are always in the backfield. But when he starts running around and said gets loose and knows he's running around, they they make magic, man. And it's it's great to see from both of those guys who I think they deserve better than what they're getting from their team and their situation. But like you said, said gonna find a way to score no matter what. That guy's a big time player. It doesn't matter where he's at, what he's doing, receiver, quarterback. I mean, I haven't seen him play running back, but he probably could. He's gonna he's gonna do whatever he gotta do to score. I think I said enough about Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think Crusaders play good, though. I like what they're doing. They're progressing. We're seeing this every week. They're getting better. 300 yards passing is not easy to do, and they did that. That's pretty good. They had a chance to win the game. They gave it the best shot. Good by them. Butchers, you got lucky. Hey, if they put on a performance like that later down the line, they're probably going to upset a team. Yeah, they'll, they'll upset the team they just barely lost to. They'll fucking beat the Butchers next time. I'm getting upset. Because I keep seeing the damn Dallas star every time I say butchers, like the star <laughs> pops up in my head. Sorry. I don't care for Gold them star. neither. I don't, I don't care for them neither. I'm from Texas. H-Town, stand up. You feel me? But Quopio Steelers versus City of Crocodiles. Did the Steelers win it or did the Crocodiles lose it? Mm. Steelers won it. I'm not going to say the Crocodiles lost it. The Steelers won it. Almost three, well, 300 total yards, I'll say. That's still a good game for the Steelers, even though they didn't have to do much in the passing game. The running game is so stellar uh, with reason over that you really can't stop it. Corpio, I mean, not Corpio, but uh, Crocs aren't, aren't set up to stop the run. Um, the defense, they didn't change much on their defense to even try to compete with stopping the run. They just kind of, like, played. Um, but they were in the game. They were in the game. Their defense played. Uh, they didn't give up a lot of major big plays in the passing game, um, but you can only stop reason over for so long uh, when you don't really have a lot of depth on defense like that. So um, they wore him down. He he had a lot of big runs at some crucial times, a lot of some crucial first downs that, that kept a lot of drives going. Offensively, Corpio passing-wise wasn't a factor in this game, and I think that's what kept maybe the Crocs in the game as long as it did. But with Crocs, uh, have to find some type of consistent offense as far as passing the ball. Um, Stedman didn't have a – he didn't have a bad game. Um, he just – just didn't do the the the, the most. Teams for 22, you know? man. 14, yeah, it 22, was, it, 182. It wasn't bad. He was efficient. He was efficient, but it wasn't it wasn't what you need against a team like Corpio. You need touchdowns. You need, you know, three, well, who four. Who's going to catch him? Who gonna catch him? Let him throw it out there. Who who hey, who you want hey. to catch these passes? Because yeah, he's hey, they, got, they got somebody standing out there with numbers on. So somebody yeah. needs to. I don't know who gonna do it, but all, all I'm gonna say is I told you guys in the group chat. I don't understand finish. I understand a little bit, but I tell you this much: they threw a touchdown pass. Uh, the guy caught caught in the back of the end zone, and I heard the announcer say Timmy Thomas and Spencer <laughs> Cutlin. And that told me everything I need to know. I need no context. If you're, if you're still talking about receivers from three years ago, you ain't got nobody. Like, that's how I feel about it. I, I think yeah. um, the young guy, Sarkala, he might not be young anymore. I think he's a, a good receiver, but they don't have a number one guy. There's no Nathan Robitaille out there. There's nobody that you can go to. They found ways to get Christian Paul in the game, but there's only so much when everybody's watching him. It wasn't an ugly game by the mm-hmm. Crocs, but it's just offensively they need more. They really need more to get Powell 
you know, he's going to do his thing. But, like, I want to see their offense open up a little more. Maybe they need to sign another receiver to help out on that offense, I think. They're going to have to do something because now they're getting into it. We're pretty much almost in that halfway mark of the season. And I think another game, you should be pretty much seeing your identity. You should know what you can and can't do on offense against what teams. And I think the Crocs, right now, this team that they have right now, I don't see them beating um, any of the top teams when they absolutely have to. And that's what you need to try to get to. You can you can say, oh, well, we, we were in the game up until this point, and you can take some good things away from this game. But at the end of the day, if you had to play them again, what would happen? Reason I would probably do the same thing he did. Um, your offense would probably do the same thing it did. So the Crocs need to find a way to just be better. But to answer the question, Corpio won the game. Simple and plain. I, I want to put an asterisk on that. And I know I'm excited today, guys. Sorry. I want to say reason over one. Can I say that? Would that be yeah, too you much? Can. You like, can say I that. Feel, <laughs> you can no, say that. Just, just from what I saw, I I agree. Like, the Crocodiles don't look bad. They don't look as bad as that score was. They don't look that bad. But also, I'm watching this defense. You got to – their front is – it's good. What is the the last chance you got? Emmett Gooden, he was yeah. destroying the middle. If yeah. you watch, Reason Over never went in the A-gap. No, 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 he didn't. And if he did, he waited 18 seconds before people cleared the way and then he went. But what really happened was you got an undisciplined defense. They see ball, everybody goes to the ball. And what Reason Over did really well was he saw that a couple of times when they went, you know, stretch and toss and sweep and went like outside the tackles, there was holes and he walked in easy peasy. I give the O-line that that did a great job. But when he was trying to do, you know, regular zone stuff, dive, even when they did the, the pull in action, if it was, you know, inside the tackles play, he almost never was able to just hit the hole. That means your front's doing their job. But what happened was he danced in the backfield. Unlike what I was saying about the women's team, uh, the, the Helsinki Wolverines women's team earlier, where their running backs are just hitting holes, he was dancing in the backfield, which meant there was no hole. But what he did was he waited for the defense to over-pursue. Because when he was dancing in the backfield, linebackers would just hit where he was at, not where he was going. And then he would change direction because he knew where he was going. They did. And then he would accelerate to a speed that they couldn't catch up to. Case in point, when he changed direction from one side of the field, he didn't see anything. He was like, I don't, there's nothing here. Let me back up, see what I can do, and then take off. And that defense was never able to counteract that because their linebackers are as fast as mud. The linebackers, they're not fast. So that meant once they choose a direction, that's it. And he played them, played them like a fiddle. Yeah. Against other teams, I don't think the Crocodiles have nearly as much of a battle. I don't think any other running backs in this league outside of Christian Powell, who's on their team, is going to be capable of, you know, slow play, playing them to that degree. Because I think against another offensive front, someone like Emmett Gooden gets through. Like he doesn't get held up by two guys blocking him and then you change direction. I think he gets through and the running back doesn't know what to do and he gets tackled. There's a lot of times where he was right in front of Lee Anthony and Lee Anthony just slid just enough to not get hit by him. 
and then burst for like five yards, which that's the difference in this game with the Crocodiles was it was this close. Like it was an inch away, all these different plays, but it looks so bad overall because yeah. he did it time and time again, and they never caught up to what was going on. The, cr- the Crocs were in this game until midway through the third quarter. It was a one-score game. Yeah. You're in the game, and it's, you're midway through the third quarter, and it's only one score. And you're right, the pursuit angles are just terrible from the defense. And no one was really making, like, even dive to try and tackle the legs. They were just taking horrible angles, getting stuck, and then Reasonable was just like, I'm going to take this angle, and I'm gone. And that was it. And the, the, the Crocs' defense, they just couldn't get hands on it. What's interesting is that we talk about the Crocodiles' offense, and their play calling is more balanced but it's not more effective than if they were to just give the ball to that guy 30 times. Look at what the Steelers did. They could have, in this game, they could have been like, we're going to call more pass plays, but they didn't. They gave that man the ball and he did his thing. I feel like if the Crocodiles don't get their shit together, maybe they took Chris's words too much to heart at the beginning of the season when he said they had to figure out another way to, you know, spread the ball <laughs> around. Yeah, you you got to figure out a way. You got to find a way to be possible. You can't be stupid. You can't yeah. take the ball out of the hand of the man that's going to get you there. Like, this guy is going to get you there, and you know it. Mm. Give him the ball. Yeah. I mean, he had, 20, he had 20 touches. So True, true, true. He true. did have 20 touches. But I they wanted had... him to have 35. Well, yeah, I mean, Reason a, had 29 touches. <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of those 35 touches. But I think if you look at it in the context of the game, yeah, he had 20-something carries. But when he got those carries, there's a there's some chances where we saw when they did the little toss to the number 83. Don't do that. Give the ball to him. Like, don't don't waste those opportunities for someone who's not going to make the play for you. Mm. Even if it means like, okay, he only gets three or four yards, he'll wear that defense down as much is a much better strategy than let's try to get the ball to somebody and hope it works out. When you're throwing to those receivers and you don't know if they're going to catch it on the touchdown pass, the kid bobbled it in the end zone twice before he caught it finally as he was falling down. I didn't like that. I didn't feel good about that. I didn't feel like, oh man, that was a hell of a play. I felt like, ooh, glad he didn't drop it. That's not how I want to feel on a touchdown. I should feel yeah. like, oh, he made a touchdown. And yeah. that's just what I feel like the Crocodiles, they, they're getting in their head too much about, well, you know, we have more than Christian Powell. Yeah, but you don't, I mean, you don't need more than Christian Powell. Look at what the Steelers did. They literally gave the ball to one guy and said, this is cool because we're going to win. And that's how you win a game. And I feel like there's a confidence level to it. You got to just be confident in what you do. And the Crocodiles are not confident right now. Yeah, I mean – he still he still averaged three point five yards. Yeah, he did good. That's fine. Christian Powell, and, and, and that's what you ask. Made yeah. a half four yards of carry. That's that's a first down every three plays. He did. So he good. did. He did and good. good. And good is how you lose to the butchers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's what it is. Some teams, if I'm talking UNC and I'm talking Kutcher Eagles, I'm gonna let you slide with good because you know what? That's about as good as you're gonna get. But we consider the Crocodiles a playoff team. Mm. Playoff team has to play to win and be great. The fact that they lost to the Butchers should let you know you need to do something better than good. This is the team, I think, and I've got the Steelers down as the best team in the league by far, easily. Going to the Maple Bowl, three-peat, all that. But this is the one team, I think, that legitimately matches up and can beat them. 
but okay. they have to play football. They can't just go out there and run plays. They no, Q going to disagree plays. with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's going to disagree with you on that one. Who, who you think match up better? The team that got beat by two touchdowns in the rain and didn't do anything on offense? At least no, he's going to say the Roosters. He's going to say the Roosters. Yeah, you know, you already know. The, Roost, I, the team that they stomped in week one? The, the, the team Roosters. that they 49 against? I'm not, I'm not judging I'm not judging them off the first game that they played the Roosters. Come on now. Oh, what I am seeing is <laughs> what I am seeing is Bryce Stancomb is in is in full flesh. Let's go mode right now. And you, what I'm seeing, what Roosters I'm seeing from Corpio, <laughs> what I'm seeing from Corpio, what I'm seeing from Corpio is if this is the plan is to go to reason over for the rest of the season, I'm going with the Roosters. I don't care what nobody <laughs> says. I'm going oh, with the Roosters. I, want, I don't care. I want to sit here and argue with you about this too. But game. You know what? Not I'm, not, run. I'm not gonna argue with you, Q. You know why? Only reason I would sit here and do it, but I'm not gonna do it because you know what? I don't want to miss out on this one thing that we haven't touched on. Number 66 from the Senio Crocodiles. Is it Miguel Makinen? Was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Miguel yep. Makinen set Akeem Allen up good. Yeah. Set him up good this week, fellas. Sat there and punched this man in the side <laughs> where everybody <laughs> could see. <laughs> Just kept punching him. And then when Akeem threw a right hook to the to the face, get out of here. Damn. Sorry to say you. Well, I feel like man. he hit the wrong person. At first, he did hit the wrong person, but then he got the right person, so he hit uh, two people. I mean, wow. he, <laughs> the ejection was... Found it. The ejection, you get ejected for throwing punches. That makes sense. But the other guy threw like five punches and nobody ejected. Yeah. He just, he just, just swinging in the red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What he did was he was throwing body blows. He's throwing uh, straight rib shots. Straight yes. rib shots. If, right. you, if you're on, um, I think if you if you go on like Vatra League of memes or Maple League memes on Instagram, they put up a video of it too. Like, that shit's crazy. Can't we say much else on that? Well, the thing is, I just want everybody to know that we know that it was a setup. Like, don't people just think that, oh, Akeem Allen is a trouble guy? No, he got set up. The dude punched him repeatedly, and then he threw one back, and, you know, it's always the second guy that gets caught, and that's just how it goes. Always. Man, but it does say something to the game that we saw. These two teams, it was chippy all game. All game, it was chippy. And a better chippy than when they played the Wolverines. I feel like when they played the Wolverines, it was chippy off a of hype. This was chippy like they just didn't don't like each other. Like it was a lot of pushing and shoving on that D line and O line from both teams on both sides of the ball. Now the punching was a little much, but I'm okay with it. They was getting dirty down there. I'm I'm okay with most of that. I don't I didn't like the punching because I felt like that was just fucked up. Like he just threw the rib shots. <laughs> He was just jab, jab, jab. This is what's crazy if you didn't watch it. He wasn't just jabbing the guy. Someone else was blocking him. It was a double team. Yeah, it was double team. He's getting blocked (laughs) and jabbed at the same time. So he can't even, like, get off the double team to fight to protect himself. He had to use both his hands because there was another guy. The other Makinen, Oto Makinen, was blocking him. And and then the Miguel Makinen. Hitting them in the side. Like, that's a, oh, that's a tough situation. One reason why, I'm glad I was never a D lineman. 
it's tough down there, fellas. <laughs> also, just to throw this out here, the Crocodiles O-line, all they did was hold all game. They didn't block anybody. It was just a whole lot of holding. I've seen some pancakes, man. I've seen some pancake blocks. He oh. was – I think it was the – I, I want to say it might have been either the right guard or the right tackle, but he was, like, holding till he got a pancake on 48. <laughs> He was fighting with the Corpio. D. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time, like, like he held him to the ground like a few times. I was like, this guy is crazy. There was a lot of plays where at the end of the play you just see bodies flying because yeah. the the linemen from the Crocodiles they were fighting. I don't know if they were fighting to the whistle. I think they were just fighting. Yeah, <laughs> gonna win or something. If you lose yes. the game, gonna win or Somebody gonna have to tell me to stop. That's how that go. But I like it. I th- I think the Crocodiles played okay, but I feel like. The better team won. What you going to do? Calling all junior skills players, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. If you were born between 2009 and 2003, this midsummer is your opportunity to shine. We'll be hosting our annual AFF Nordic Challenge 7 versus 7 tournament in Lati on June 22nd. Top performers will be selected for the AFF Revolution teams in divisions U19, U17, and U15. These teams will have the chance to compete throughout Europe in the fall and play for the European Championship the following spring. If that isn't enough, there will be USA coaches in attendance scouting for their respective high schools and colleges. Due to field availability, registration will close once we meet the maximum number of participants. So head over to the website and sign up today. Registration can be completed at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward slash Nordic dash challenge. So what are some tough questions for the teams in this upcoming week? First game, I'll let you ask the questions, Chris. What questions do you have for the Kutka Eagles versus the Helsinki Wolverines? One question for each team. I'm going to ask, first of all, the Wolverines, how are you going to bounce back from your last game? So we saw they were a bit disappointing against Corpio Steelers, didn't put up any offensive scores. How are they going to now bounce back against a team who's mediocre, running down the bottom here? How mediocre. are they going to? Well, okay, maybe I'm <laughs> nice to say mediocre, okay. <laughs> but Sorry. how are you going to bounce back against a team who is not on the level of Corpio Steelers, let's say that? And what are you going to do on offense to be explosive? Because we didn't see a lot of explosiveness from that Helsinki Wolverines offense. They need to sort out. They've had a bye week now. Let's see what they can do after a bye week. What about the Eagles? And then for the Eagles, can you show any competitiveness? Because at the moment, it don't look like they're going to score any points. It doesn't look like they're competing in any game. Their scheme has been awful. Their defense has been terrible. Maybe they've done something in the week that they've had off, I hope. I really hope they've had a good week of practice and they come out because they're playing one of the better teams in the league. And it's a tough old schedule for them, but they have had a bye week. So what have you done in this bye week to be better? Please be better because um, I picked out to make the playoffs, man. I mean, y'all don't have to make the playoffs, but damn. I, I picked them as my number four team as well. And I I, I, I apologize to the Crocodiles. I really do apologize to the Crocodiles for picking the Crocodile at number four, but it was preseason, okay? Yeah. It was preseason. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, hey? But I still don't apologize to the Crocodile until they do something, too. God damn it. All these muddled teams. But what <laughs> – I don't know why I say that as we go to the next game. Crocodiles versus Roosters. Q, give us some questions for both those teams. Okay, questions for the Crocodiles. Can you 
sustain an, uh, uh, enough offense to compete in the, against this Roosters offense. Um, you know the Roosters going to come out throwing the ball, um, not so much as the, they don't focus so much on the running game, but you know they're going to come out throwing the ball. So are the Crocs prepared to try to compete with that, or are they going to stick with their game plan of getting power going and trying to make some over-the-top plays with the receivers they do have? Questions for the Roosters would be, are you going to keep up the level of play, uh, even against the teams that don't show much on film, um, but are fighters? You know, like I said, the Crocs team, they're, they're a scruff, scruffy bunch. They've been like that for a long time. That's one thing about the Crocs, even before Spencer and uh, Tim time, the Crocs were still known as one of those teams that were, were going to fight you every time they showed up. They might not have been the, the most skilled or talented, but they had a lot of fight, and they're still like that now. And they're going to play against – they're going to play their hardest against the Roosters, um, just like everybody else. So are the Roosters ready to to get – you know, have those young guys fight with them like that and uh, establish some type of dominance and, and go on the run? So, yeah, I think that will be probably what I, my questions for both for both teams are. Right? Uh, what are you going to show now that that's consistent and that that can work? All right, I'll take the last game, um, Butchers versus Steelers. Uh, first question for the Butchers. You know, I don't like asking the Butchers questions, but if I if I had to ask the Butchers a question in this game, it really would be: Can you do more than you're capable of? This is one of those games. You're outmatched. They are the better team. It is what it is. But can you do more? Can you be the difference in this game? Can you do something that makes this game different? Can you stop Lee Anthony Reasonover? Can you get an interception on defense? Can you not let them score 100 points? I, I don't know if 100? you can. I, I, feel like a, I feel like a 50-burger is with well within range in this game. I said 100. 80? I don't know. The main question for the Butchers, I'll, I'll try to keep it civil, is that can you be more than what you're capable of in this game? Can you do more? You have to to win this game. Uh, for the Steelers, can you continue to play at your level? This, this is one of those games that could be a trap game. This is one of those games where the team you're playing might not be that good, and you might play down to their level, kind of like they did against the Wolverines. So mm. don't, let that, don't let that happen in this game. When they played the Wolverines, they didn't play a good game. And it made it made the Wolverines look better than what they are. So when you're playing the Butchers, don't don't play a game that makes the Butchers look like, oh, well, the Butchers aren't that bad. They're the Dallas Cowboys of the fucking Maple League. Play them like they're the Dallas Cowboys. You're the LA Rams. Yeah, y'all look that up. Cowboys be getting their ass whipped by the Rams, but that's just <laughs> <laughs> but can you play to your level in this game despite your opponent? That's what I, that's my question for the Steelers. Okay, that's two questions. Maple League teams are back in action on Thursday with the Kotka Eagles versus the Helsinki Wolverines. The Sinioni Crocodiles and the Helsinki Roosters play on Saturday. And the Boardroom Butchers host the Quopio Steelers as the final game on Sunday. Our panel of football enthusiasts will pick winners for this week's game on our Instagram account at American Football in Finland. Feel free to find us in the comments with your thoughts. Right now, Chris Green is 9 0. What, what? Perfect Purpose, 8 1. Finland Swami is 8 1. Spencer is 7 2. And Coach Q would be six and three. Find it. I'm coming. In last. That's what you're doing. You're in last. <laughs> <laughs> Look good, play good. It's as simple as that.
Array Athletics will help you look good in their fully customizable team uniforms. Made by players, for players. Ray Athletics produces high-quality uniforms for teams all over Europe. Ray also allows teams to design custom apparel for comfortable travel and workout purposes. Visit rayer.se today to take your team to the next level. Stay sharp. That's it for this episode of America Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen. Any last words before we get out of here about anything, including burgers? Roosters are going to put up a 50-burger <laughs> against the Crocs. The Crocs are going to score 14 points, but the score is going to be 50 to 14. It's going to be over 50. Let's just say that. You said it. 50-burgers. It's going to be over 50. I love a lot of Crocs guys, I, you know, but I just feel like the Roosters are going to like make a statement this game. So if they don't, then I'll take it back, but most likely, they're going to score a 50 burger. What about you, Chris? Any last words before we get out of here? I'm just wondering when the first ups, big upset of the season is going to come. It could potentially come this weekend. Oh, That's all I'm going to say. Don't be hiding stuff on the on the cast. If an upset is going to happen this week, it'll be the Crocs beating the Roosters. But I, I still would here. pick the Roosters to beat the Crocs. The, cro- the Crocs are at home. Hey, I'm picking the Roosters. I'm the, just the, saying, if enough Crocs are happen, at home. happen. Helsinki to Sinioki, that's not an easy travel. It's not. And it's, the, it's one of the games where I'm worried about that could ruin my perfect record so far this season on my pick hey. So, Hey, I don't care. I'm a little bit worried. Terminator, Willie Beeman, <laughs> whoever else they need. Fucking, I mean, <laughs> they're not beating the Roosters, bro. I don't care where they play at. I don't care if they're in Spain. They're not beating the Roosters, bro. Oh, this this is rooster it, loving guy, man. Is, aren't the crocodiles the team that the roosters put up eighty on a couple of years ago? He probably did, but I mean they didn't score fifty so many times <laughs> in the last five years. It's like I was I was just about to say the reason I said that is because I really think you're right that the crocodiles don't play the roosters well in the past. Yeah. It hasn't been a good like they. It's never close. I don't think it's one of those. Coca, we watching you, Coca. There you go. It's all on Kutka, man. It's all on Kutka. Well, I, I think that is the last word, Stan. So if you enjoy the show, please follow us on all podcast platforms. We're pretty much on all of them. I mean, if you know one that we're not on, let me know and I'll get us on it. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything less will tell us you're a hater. Don't be a hater. Be a congratulator. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook at American Football in Finland. Also, by following us on all channels, you have a chance to win football merch provided by sponsors at Ray Athletics. Be sure to follow the instructions in the episode description below. Now, I feel like people don't understand. When we post this episode on Instagram, there's a contest. You get free stuff. All you have to do is comment with somebody's name and I think put a hashtag. I mean, Chris did it last week. He thought he was going to win. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but he tried. Hey, I tried my luck. <laughs> shot hey, his shot. Hey, you got me in it to win it. <laughs> like, look at Chris I, trying to win. I see this thing. <laughs> what is Chris doing? <laughs> he, he like, hey, you never know unless you try. <laughs> He tried. But again, if you if you want to win free stuff every week, we do this contest. Every time we put out an episode, you just type in your name, tag somebody, put a hashtag, and you got a chance to win. And it's usually something pretty cool. I think 
I haven't won personally, but um, the Rayer guys, they've been, you know, very kind and giving away free stuff. So you can get some of that free stuff. So until next time, never forget. Rooster! (laughs) (laughs) I just had to do that. Let's start over. (laughs) Okay, so. Until next time, never forget T I F Roosters. And we <laughs> we go. American football in Finland.